थैंक यू फॉर जॉइनिंग साइंस टॉक शो प्रेजेंटेड बाय टाइम्स ऑफ बायोटेक समवन सेड दैट इज नो फोर्स मोर पावरफुल देन अ वुमेन डिटरमाइंड टू राइज आर गेस्ट फॉर द शो इज वन ऑफ दैट काइंड हु इज डिटरमाइंड टू ग्रो एंड करेंटली शी इज अ फील्ड साइंटिस्ट एंड द ओनर ऑफ परफॉर्मेंस क्रॉप रिसर्च एलएलसी इवन द को-ओनर ऑफ साउथ ब्लेंड इंडस्ट्रियल हैम एंड शी इज नॉन अदर देन Melissa Nelson. Hello ma'am. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh uh, ma'am, I know you are you have a pretty exciting and inspiring journey and you are uh, carrying out uh, many responsibilities on day to day basis. Would you like to give a glimpse of your journey and share share with us? And even I want to like to ask one more thing: What inspired you to choose this career and be independent research and entrepreneur together? Yeah, so my journey is pretty interesting. Um, I was in school uh, for biology. I thought I wanted to go more in the medical field, and I actually did an internship at a physical therapy clinic uh, my senior year, or prior to my senior year of college, and. absolutely hated it. And I was like, "Oh no, like this is not the path that I want to go on." So I went back to my advisor and I said, "What what can I what can I do?" Um so anyway, long story short, graduated with a biology degree and then at a career fair, I got picked up by a independent research company. Um mm-hmm. and I said, like this isn't really my background. I don't know a lot about growing crops. Uh my background is more in cattle and pasture and rangeland. That's how I grew up. And he said we can teach you how to grow the crops. We really want your science degree background. And I fell in love with it. The first season growing crops, the rewarding, the change throughout the season, just absolutely loved it. Um and it's something I was really passionate about and then really kicked into high gear when I had the opportunity to go over to Australia and work as an independent researcher over there um under two different companies and I really got to travel the whole country and just learn about crops, diseases, pests and it was just a really eye-opening experience for me. So I came back to the states, uh went back to work at the company that I originally started at, uh got my master's degree and then with a kick from my husband who was like you can do this. Like you he's a fourth generation farmer here so i had the land support that i needed to grow this business and off i went uh 2018 i launched performance crop research south bend industrial hemp naturally came along in 19 because that was the first year that kansas could grow industrial hemp and we were looking for a way to diversify our farm and then i was looking for a way to create a niche within a niche industry of research because i knew if this crop was going to become a a wide-scaled commercial crop there would need to be supporting varieties and chemicals to continue moving the industry forward so i did that as a niche within a niche and here we are today so Uh, I know you belong to a place which is very much highest in our uh, well known for agriculture and it is mostly known for the like the cereals wheat and those kind of uh, crops and growth so how did you come to know about the uh, growing hemp and uh, what are the benefits of actually growing this hemp okay we could literally do a whole podcast on hemp and benefits of hemp and how to grow it So there's two different ways and a lot of people I'm going to preface like this real quick. A lot of people don't understand that hemp is not marijuana. 
Um, I give this analogy is you go to the grocery store and you need a pepper, you're, you know, you're in the pepper section, vegetables, you've got bell peppers and you've got jalapeno peppers. While they're both a pepper, they're two very different peppers. So you have the cannabis plant, you have marijuana and you have hemp. Those are two very different plants. Marijuana is a higher THC. You're going for that psychedelic effect. Um, hemp has under 0.3% THC, so there's no high from that. But we're more focused on the industrial scale, which there's literally no CBD or THC. We are looking at um, breaking into bioplastics, hemp wood, um, regenerative agriculture. This fits right into that. Regenerative agriculture is a huge topic right now. So is carbon sequestrian. Again, hemp is four times more carbon capturing than any other crop that's currently out there. So there's a lot of the buzz around what this hemp can do. Uh, it can also be used as like an animal bedding. You've got two different parts of the hemp plant, the inside woody herd and the outside fiber. So you've got your non-wovens and then you've got your textiles. So the potential of this plant and what it can bring in terms of economic development and then just sustainability. Um, <clears throat> what really interests me, there is a hemp bioplastic that can break down in 80 days once it hits the microbes in the soil. So think of how many water bottles you go through personally, or just, you know, you see all this plastic floating out in the ocean. We can eliminate a huge chunk of that just by changing the polymers in our plastic. Basically, it's an environment-friendly crop. Yes, and to expand on that a little bit, I love farmers. Like, I am a farmer. My family farms. I'm very passionate about the people that grow our food in this country. and. Mm -hmm you know, biofuels. There's a lot of other things farmers touch in your day-to-day -day life that you have no idea besides the food that you're eating on your table. The makeup that you wear on your face has corn on it. The biofuel or the fuel that you put in your vehicle to get where you need to go, corn, soybeans everywhere. Like agriculture touches every facet of your life, whether you realize it or not. And so hemp was a way to diversify our farm, give farmers another commodity option and grow that industry as well. Anyone heard about that the hemp is also being used as a building material or is it like would you like to tell more about it like something yeah, that so I just building, heard. <laughs> I, I really I love I absolutely love what I do. Um, so we actually just sent out an order of 23,000 pounds that's going to go to a house a hemp house and when you think hemp house you, you know this isn't like an all hemp house we use this as more of an insulation material so this insulation material is actually mold resistant and pest resistant. And then when added to the mineral, because there's three substances that, that make your wall, okay? The inside of your wall, it is mineral, which is typically a lime, herd, and water. That's it. So when you think about some of the toxicity in the insulation, the fiberglass insulation that you have in your current home or drywall, et cetera, like this eliminates all of that. And so you've got herd, mineral, <clears throat> and water. Um, along with being bug and pest resistant, it helps regulate humidity and temperature. So that's going to help with your electricity bills and being more eco-friendly there. And this is very exciting too. You can put a blowtorch on your wall and it will do nothing but turn black. It does not catch on fire. And okay. so when you think of you know, just safety in terms of that, like this is a very friendly building, friendly material. So fire resistance building material. Yes. And you know, shingles are happening. 
and shingles are like have the same if they've got a hurricane IR rating like there's lots of potential that's happening here working we're working with companies all over the United States to help standardize this product and get it certified through like building associations etc so this can be moved to a more mainstream product okay that's exactly extremely like i don't know what to say about it oh uh, uh, no <laughs> yeah it's exactly eco friendly and the, it has so much so many benefits like i'm like i'm amazed <laughs> Okay, ma'am. Oh, apart from growing actually hemp and uh, uh, developing a products on the hemp, you are also involved in the dry land farming, irrigation, irrigation farming, and the greenhouse agriculture as well. So, would you like to tell, according to the current situation, which one will be the profitable one, and why one should take up that? You know, when you look at profitability, it is very specific to your area. and you have to look at your return on your investment. So while irrigated acres are going to give you a higher yield, you're also going to have higher expenses in terms of your electricity costs, your water costs, um just overall maintenance of that pivot, etc. uh herbicides because they're going they're not going to stay as long in the soil and be as active in the soil because of the the water that you're applying to the crop, uh very different than dry land. So, in terms of which one is more profitable, <clears throat> I'm going to say that's a pretty tough question to answer because it's really comparing almost apples to oranges. I um, think you are close to very, all type of agricultures. Yeah, um and in terms of the greenhouse, we use our I use my greenhouse for research um and so I'll put potted plants in there and do research there. So I wouldn't say that's a commercial greenhouse because that the uh, our greenhouse is very profitable because it's all headed towards my research work. I think since everything is so close to your heart you just don't want to pick up one. It's okay, ma'am. Um if I had to pick one you're going to pick irrigated ground. Like I'm going to pick irrigated ground. We're continually trying to grow our farm and acquire irrigated land. Um yes it is more work but uh the yield potential and being able to minimize your risk because okay. on dry land you're very much stuck with whatever mother nature gives you that year and as you know mother nature is extremely te- temperamental so if we can have irrigation i'm on choose irrigation okay pretty good okay ma'am so another thing since you are so much involved in agriculture i would like to ask another question would you prefer and uh, uh, suggesting the future generation or the current youngsters to get involved into the agriculture and pick up uh, pick up it as a, a profitable career option maybe absolutely oh my god okay this is you just asking all the right questions you do not have to be a farmer to be involved in agriculture you know when you go down the list trucking has to do with agriculture all these products that i listed off earlier biofuels ethanol plants those are all directly involved with agriculture so you do not have to till the land to be considered a farmer you know USDA FDA um FSA these are all organizations that work directly with farmers you can be a conservationist you can be an agronomist you can do all of these facets of agriculture that you don't you don't have to farm because that is an extremely large investment you're going to have to make to yeah. be a farmer in terms of equipment land is extremely hard to come by land prices are four times higher than anything we've seen right now um we've got ground 
There was ground up in Iowa that went for $15,000 an acre. So when you pencil it, you're gonna have to farm for a really long time to make that work. And you've gotta be at scale. So I'm not deterring farming for anybody, but find like the area that really lights you on fire. Um, we get a lot of people that come to us and wanna grow hemp. And I said, okay, do you have any growing experience? Like, do you even have a garden? And they said, no, but we wanna do it. And I'm like, okay, so that is a tough row to hoe. Um, if you have no plant knowledge. So if something, if farming is really passionate for you, go do an internship on a farm, get a summer job, like make sure you actually like it before, or you like the, the work because it's work. I mean, you're not working in hours, you're working in acres. And so understanding the time commitment and what mother nature dictates is very, very important before you set off on that career. Oh, so maybe like someone can also think about this regenerative farming and all something less sort of. Yeah, regenerative cropping. I mean, that's great. Cover crops, no-till operations. <clears throat> we utilize all those things in our farm, but just a lot of people don't understand the time commitment and the stress, the financial stress, because you're getting paid once a year. When you harvest your crops, that's when you're getting paid. So understanding yeah. cash flow, under, you know, a lot of people, even generational farmers, you have to learn how to budget and manage your money because it is critical for the livelihood and the success of your farm. So basically, if you are choosing this, you have to be like, uh, you have to be a multitasker. You can, you have to be a financial planner. You have to plan your work. You have to work a days to like um, hours together. So it's like, if you have interest, then choose it. It will be, you will love it. You will enjoy it the way you are enjoying right now. Oh, absolutely. It's the best job in the world. Like I love it every day. What I do, I love, you know, like I was messaging you a couple of days ago, like, yeah. Right now we're on 20, we're on 20 hour days. Like we are, we are in the thick of our harvest. Um, we actually just wrapped that up. We've got our processing facility, our hemp processing facility that's moving out. We're drilling wheat. We're already moving into 2022 crops. Like there's a lot going on this time of year. So, but I, I at the end of the day, I have the best job in the world. <laughs> Every hour is worth it, and I'm so so passionate about what we do. Uh, on passion, passion, I would like to ask you another thing. Uh, the only controversy with agriculture, what I know, could be many, but I know like the GMOs. Uh, many people are there that they don't accept GMOs, even though scientists are trying to convey that they are not GMO. There is nothing. Uh, it's just its own DNA, which is being little bit edited so that to get a good variety or the high yield or something which to, to get best out of that crop. But still, it is not being accepted. So what do you think? Like, because I know that you have also worked on GMOs. So what are your point of view on this matter? Okay, so GMOs get a really bad rap. One, because when Monsanto put this out in the 90s, they didn't do a good job of educating the public. And if you think back in the 90s, you really didn't have the social media connections that we have today. So getting out information was, you know, TV ads, radio, newspapers, a much different um, avenue than the readily made available information that we have today. Um, so one, Monsanto did a poor job of that. However, the media has portrayed GMOs in such a negative light. And the misinformation out there is extreme. 
And so I do a lot of speaking on this. A lot of people realize that there's only 10 crops in the United States approved as GMO crops. So when you go to the grocery store and you see non-GMO on tomatoes, there's no option for GMO tomatoes. That's marketing. That's marketing dollars because they know people are, they're using fear and I don't think that's right. Um, so just to give you like a quick rundown, sugar beets, and a lot of people don't realize that 99% of the sugar in your stores, your processed sugar is from sugar beets. And so they utilize glyphosate, glyphosate sugar beets, and that a lot helps with weed control. Um, you've got canola. So again, your cooking oils, et cetera, canola is GMO and that's herbicide resistant. Um, so that allows them to keep the weeds out and just makes it a, a cleaner crop, a higher yielding crop, et cetera. You've got corn, which you hear about all the time. Um, corn is herbicide and insecticide resistant. So that means that, and, and it's not like it, it's not like they've added genes in, they've just manipulated the genetic makeup of the plant. And it's, it's not like they built a whole new plant. They literally just tweaked like one or two genes. It's crazy. And so for gene, for corn, they have BT corn. So basically this corn naturally emits, emits a toxin that keeps insects away from it, which is gonna give you a better crop. Um, we actually have to spray our crops less and put less herbicides in our field because of this plant naturally emitting this toxin. And plants already do that. A lot of people don't realize that rye has a naturally emitting toxin and it's a not a GMO crop. Uh, the plants just made it, you know, is its makeup has done that. So that's what they've kind of taught corn to do by altering that one genetic. It can now get rid of these pests so we don't have to spray it. You also have potatoes. Um, Everybody loves their potato chips and french fries. Well, this is helping with overall yields, etc. Um, summer squash. And then we've got soybeans, which you guys hear a lot for oil production and feed production. And then cotton. Um, let's see, I think I've got one more. No, two more. Okay, and then you've got papayas because those are, they went through a famine in the 90s. Um, it was called ring spot virus. And it actually nearly wiped out all the papaya crop in Hawaii. And so by altering this one gene, they now can be resistant to this spring spot and like, so you can eat papayas. Otherwise we literally wouldn't have any um, apples. So they didn't do anything crazy to apples. The only thing they changed was a genetic. So that way it didn't brown as fast. So it helps reduce food waste, you know, because when you go to the store, you're not going to pick a brown apple. You're going to pick a nice, shiny, colorful one. But all they did was keep that apple from browning as fast. And then last is alfalfa and that's just <clears throat> helping with, you know, cattle feed and et cetera, moving your meat to get to final product. Um, so anyway, there's only 10 approved GMO crops. And I really wish people would not be so quick to judge GMOs and maybe do some research on their own and not go to the loudest source, like find a reputable source, a government agency. It doesn't have to be a chemical company. Like go find an unbiased third-party source and I really encourage people come out to the farm come see how we spray come see how we plant come see how these genetics have changed your way of life as well because the U.S. has the safest and most economic food supply in the United States and the reason we can do that is because of the mass amounts of, of food that we can produce and so if you're looking to go GMO, just know that your loaf of bread is not going to be $2.99 anymore. It's going to be $15.99.
because the yields are going to be that much lower. And so I don't think people realize the volume that has to be produced to make sure everyone is fed and fueled and clothed and everything that we touch. Obviously, Martin, you are putting a lot of hard work in uh, the product for the production of crop and actually we can enjoy because a lot of people out there are working really hard to make it successful. Ma'am, I know you are almost working for a 20 hours a day, which is a huge time and I don't know how you are doing. So my next question is related to that. How do you manage your time like uh, being an entrepreneur, growing crop and you actually work in the field it's not just that you just monitor you actually work in the field and you work for 20 hours a day just too much so how do you manage and how you keep up your like uh, yourself so much energetic captain really drives me there are days that i am tired but conversations like this fuel me to keep going like this fuels me to continue reaching out and educating people because I do, I spend a lot of time on social media, putting out videos and educational posts, et cetera. We had this summer alone, we had 27 states come and tour our operation and what we were doing. You know, we had tours every week. So helping bridge that gap, because right now 2% of the world or 2% is the farming population that feeds the other 98%. And so being able to connect people and understand where their, where their food, fuel, fiber is all coming from, very, very important to me. Um, you know, right now we're working 20 hours, we'll move into winter, which will, you know, reduce, we'll work on, I'll probably be more on like a 12 to 15 hour a day, like it'll be a lot more manageable. But that being said, like, because of the number of businesses I run, I probably work more than the typical farmer in a sense, um, just because of the other facets of agriculture that I'm involved in. But uh, I'm very, very big into fitness and nutrition. So by fueling my body correctly, it gives me the energy to do everything that I need to do. So, and I've been blessed with an amazing ability to make lists. And so like I have just pages and pages of lists to make sure everything get man gets managed and done. And then lastly, the reason I can get this is because I surround myself with a great team. You know, we've grown exponentially. And so I couldn't do it all by myself anymore. So Performance Crop Research currently has three women that work under me. And so we get it done and their attention to detail, they're just absolutely fabulous assets to our team. Out at South Bend Industrial Hemp, we've got um, a guy that's running our plant manage, or he's a plant manager. So he's helping um, handle the employees there. And then at the farm, I'm working alongside my husband and my brother-in-law, which working with family is the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. And so teamwork, you cannot do this without teamwork. Okay, the key is the teamwork. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, teamwork and organization, okay. and then just okay. a desire to succeed. You know, there's, there's days that discipline takes over because I'm tired, but that's okay. So you just keep going. Okay. And on that note, I would ask you, what message would you like to give to the researchers out there? Specifically, I would talk about the women researcher because you are an example, fabulous example of women empowerment. So what what you would you like to share? You know, you set your own limits. 
you set your own limits. Um, I had never, you know, I had basic equipment knowledge when I got into this with my husband, but I can now run every piece of equipment on our farm. You know, all the cattle, everything. I can do all of that because I asked. Ask questions, get involved, and do, don't set the limit on yourself. If you want to be a mom, be a mom and farm. You know, there's lots of my friends that they take their kids in the combine with them. Like that's, they bring their kids along. Or if you just want to be a businesswoman, be a businesswoman. Like go chase your dreams. And it's been extremely exciting in the eight years that I've been in this industry. Women are rapidly closing that gap and we are not so much the minority on the research side anymore. So young girls out there, get to your STEM classes, get to your science and mathematics. Like those are important technology, um, engineering. You're really the only person that sets your limits. So get after it. Thank you, ma'am. I think this can be a best thing because chase your dream. So with that note, I would like to say that uh, I think I have finished my questions and then and it was lovely meeting you and thank you so much because I know how busy you are and in that you actually gave me your time that was a like a, that is a, I'm, I'm like I'm so delighted and I'm so happy that you chose and you actually accepted my invitation you being a fabulous example of human empowerment and I would say that if, if you want to empower yourself if you want to you don't have to actually go around and to, uh, look for something which will empower actually you can just uh, st uh, start with something which you love which you maybe you might not have a many equipments but that determination will take you forward just make a determination that you are you want to chase a dream the way you did so i think this is a perfect example of like empowerment and on that note i just want to thank you thank you so much for giving time i really enjoyed it i, I live for things like this i, I block off generally a couple hours in the morning to do educational content or podcasts or whatever speaking event radio show that I have that day. Yeah, just just find something you're wildly passionate about and figure it out as you go. Especially if you want to be an entrepreneur and you want to run your own business, you can't plan for everything. There's going to be obstacles that come up. And so I'm pretty sure my best skill is critical thinking and problem solving because every day you have to slightly pivot to make sure that your business is headed in the direction you want to go, but you can kind of work around those obstacles. So just, just start. There's no way to prepare um, 100%, so just start. Just start and chase your dream. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks.